It can be hard to know what our kids are really thinking and feeling. But when we encourage kids to engage with us in conversation, and when we lean in and actively listen, we inevitably learn something that helps us do better by them. Welcome to Dear Highlights, the podcast inspired by letters and emails from kids who write to highlights, seeking a listening ear and a little guidance as they wind their way through childhood. A short, sweet season, but also a period of heavy lifting for kids. I'm Christine French Cully, editor in chief of Highlights and your podcast host. I'm joined by Hilary Bates, our podcast producer and thoughtful mom of two. We're here to amplify the voices of children and to explore with expert guests many of the issues that kids and families wrestle with regularly. We're glad you've joined us. Dear Highlights, my mom and dad have been separated for about a month. I have two cats. I get keys for a lot of It's the spooky season again, and Halloween is having a moment, a long moment that seems to grow year after year. Last year, Americans spent a record $10 billion on Halloween decorations and candy and costumes, even costumes for their pets. And every year, new Halloween movies and podcasts and books are released, adding to a catalog that's been building for years, one that may be challenging for parents to curate for their kids. Hillary, were you a kid who liked scary movies? I did not intentionally watch scary movies. However, one time I put in an unlabeled VHS tape and started watching a movie about a family headed to a hotel. Friends, it was The Shining. And I did not sleep properly for more than a year. So no, uh, scary movies were not, not my thing. You sound a little like the Highlights reader who emailed us and asked what to do about a friend who was forwarding to her emails about, quote, really scary, tragic stuff that will happen if we didn't share the email. She went on to say, the image of murderers, knives and stuff gets stuck in my head for a while. I'm too scared to look at the websites to see if they're true or not. I'm sort of a scaredy cat when it comes to this stuff. Please help. Oh, I surely understand that feeling. (laughs) I'm that kind of scaredy cat, too. But, you know, I think most kids want to have fun with a little seasonal scare. But how much, of course, varies from kid to kid. I mean, we all know kids who love that stuff. And certainly, parents want to engage and understand how much scary stuff their child can handle. No one wants their child to feel like the highlights reader who wrote to us to say, Sometimes I watch YouTube videos and see creepy stuff, and sometimes I get so scared that I can't sleep or have a stomachache. Our friends at Common Sense Media have some tips for parents on where to find and how to consume scary or spooky media in developmentally appropriate ways that also meet kids' desire to have fun, because let's face it, being scared is kind of fun for most of us. Betsy Bosdick, Editorial Director and the Head of Ratings and Reviews, is with us today to share some of these tips. I'm excited for folks to hear this. Betsy is going to mention a number of really approachable Halloween movies and podcasts and other things for kids. Don't worry, listeners, you don't need to take notes. Just head into our show notes and you'll see a link right there to take you to those lists. Betsy, thanks for being on our podcast today. This is going to be fun. 
I agree. So we're, we're talking about all things spooky. Well, maybe not all things spooky, but we're talking about uh, what scares kids. And we'd like to start out just by asking, why do kids want to watch scary things? Well, not all kids do. Um, I was a kid who personally never sought out horror movies or anything terribly scary, but the kids who do, I think, love that thrill. There is something very exciting, adrenaline creating, um, thrilling, I think I said thrilling, to about watching something scary and getting that jump and that jump scare. It it spikes your adrenaline, it makes you excited. And I think the, the fact that you can do it in your living room or in a movie theater sometimes, but these days more often in our living rooms, um, in a safe environment, perhaps with friends or family members there, it's there's not too much at stake. You can let yourself lean into the scare without having to worry that something bad is really going to happen. There really is something different about watching a scary movie when you're a kid than when you're an adult. One of the things that I think about is that I had some scenes of scary things that really made an impression on me to, you know, made an impression on my bedtime for months to come. I'm curious if you saw anything when you were a kid that had that sort of startling, like you remembered it for a long time, big impression kind of scary thing. A hundred percent. I have a great example for that, actually. To this day, the only movie that I can cite as directly having given me nightmares was Watership Down, (laughs) the animated movie based on the classic novel um, that I think my parents showed me when I was probably around seven years old because it was an animated movie about rabbits. And it was an animated movie about rabbits, but it was an animated movie about rabbits who turned into red-eyed slavering beasts and tried to kill each other. And it terrified me. And I had a nightmare. Uh, There were other things like we watched um, like the Twilight Zone revival when I was a kid and Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And there was one with a shadow monster that I had jumped over onto my bed for months because I was scared of stepping too close to under the bed. So I think kids have very vivid imaginations. And when they're really young, I mean, kids younger than seven really can't easily distinguish between fantasy and reality, even when they're told it's not real. So it's you think, oh, this is an irrational fear, but it's not irrational when you're that age and you just really, you don't have that experience and that developmental readiness to tell the difference between what is pretend and what isn't. Yeah, so that's, uh, age seven seems like a really important age for parents to um, think about. What kinds of scary stuff are kids younger than seven ready for? And then maybe also what kinds of scary stuff are older kids ready for? (laughs) Right. Well, really? Yes, sure. I think, I mean, under seven, you know, you're really looking at just sort of really mild, maybe peril or tension, like a little bit of danger that's very positively resolved. I mean, or maybe cute monsters, right? Like I think the Hotel Transylvania movies are a good example for younger kids because yes, it's a monster movie, but they're goofy, they're silly, they're funny. It's everything is with humor and it's a a very lighthearted situation. When kids start to get over, get a little bit older, like they might be interested in haunted houses or mysteries or a little bit of jump scares. But if you stick to animation in that transitional age, that helps them realize it's fantasy. It's when you have the live action plus the scary stuff that things start to get really tense. And uh, monsters are also often very upsetting for younger kids, skeletons, aliens, zombies, and um, material that involves danger to kids around their age. It's very different to see 
animals or inanimate objects or something in danger than it is real life kids like them. It's, and that goes with like loss and um, separation too. That can be as scary and tension too. My daughter could handle action a lot better than she could handle two characters yelling at each other or being in a, in a, you know, disagreeing because that was very upsetting to her or doing something wrong. She used to get so worked up if a, stu- a character was going to go do something wrong and sneak into the office or something. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to get in trouble. So that, that can be just as scary. Um, I think there's a lot of great stuff out there um, for kids of all ages for, you know, if you're looking, if it's Halloween or anytime you want something a little bit spooky, there's lots of choices for ages, you know, three or four on up. One of the ones we watched on repeat when my kids were little was Curious George's Halloween Boo Fest. It's super gentle. It's all about pumpkins and Halloween. And I think like George gets into trouble because George always gets into trouble, but nobody's really, there's no real danger. And also it's only like 40 minutes long, 30 or 40 minutes long. So when you have little kids, you're not often wanting to sign up for a two hour movie anyway. So some of these things that are specials are a great choice. Anyway, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself perhaps and getting into recommendations, but it's, it all sort of ties into each other because the kinds of content you're going to see in titles that are really appropriate for younger kids are the kind of thing that they're developmentally ready for. Betsy, I really appreciate that you're bringing up that different kids are scared by different things. I know that was my experience as a kid. That's certainly my experience as a parent. I also have a child who's not particularly scared of things that are billed as scary, but is very scared of parental separation Mm storylines. So who like had real hard time with Nim's Island, you know, just many waterworks. Yes. For Nims Island. I can, <laughs> I can believe it. That was a good movie, though. I did enjoy that one. I mean, ultimately, it's a good, it's a nice, empowering tale. Yeah, I would have enjoyed it a lot had I not had a very hysterical child. So one of the things right. I really appreciate about Common Sense Media is that there's a lot of in-depth understanding that you can get in advance to know if you know your child in particular has something that really bothers them, you can avoid it. But sometimes, even when we're making an effort we will, our child will see something that really upsets them or really scares them. Maybe because we made a mistake because they seemed enthusiastic about something and then it turned out to not go well. Maybe because they saw it somewhere where we weren't around to intervene. And as we've been talking about, those visuals can really stick with kids and they can use their imagination to really take them you know, to places that really bother them or disrupt their routines. I'm curious if there are media strategies that can help when it's already happened that your kid has seen something too scary. So I'm thinking about maybe with live action things, does it help if we look at the actors in other settings or we go through maybe how they construct a scene that's scary? I think that, I think that that's not on my, my list, but I think those are great ideas. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly like my, my, I like to tell my daughter, my son, oh yeah, you see that person there also in that, or they're the, they were the voice of Ratatouille. If you saw Patton Oswalt, I'm like, oh, he was the voice of Ratatouille. Like, really? So then that sort of like helps bring them out of it. Like, oh, this is just an actor doing a job. So I think that's a great idea. I think, um, you know, if you are watching at home and something is not going the way you thought it would, don't be ever, don't ever be afraid to stop, to say no, to, you know, there's no, no one is making you finish a movie or finish a show if nobody's enjoying it. That's, that's not going to do anybody any good. You can um, turn 
down the volume, turn up the lights, pause it frequently to talk about it and check in. Um, that's one of the things I, I mean, I have for all kinds of movies, I love the ability to not miss anything if I have to go to the bathroom. But also when things start getting intense, we used to turn the volume down for my daughter all the time. And that helped us kind of get through the tension of scenes. But even afterward, if you think, okay, we're doing great. We, we, we got this, like, um, this happened with my son. We watched a movie. I think it was the more recent version of, um, the secret garden. And it's, you know, pretty mild, pretty mild altogether, but there's a house fire near the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. There's a house fire near the end. And, after that, he was just really, really nervous about the things he loved burning up in a fire, like his special security blanket, the cats, his toys. I mean, he was like, what would we do if there was a fire? So I think talking through the fears is very important. Um, you can offer, you know, physical comfort and distraction. Um, sometimes, you know, for little kids, you can do magical remedies like, oh, we'll do a nightly ritual to clean the monsters out of the closet or check under the bed. And that can help. Um, and you know, one thing in general is to sort of avoid scary stuff in that bedtime slot, pre-bedtime slot too, because it's going to definitely be on their minds. If you, you watch something, everybody feels great. They go brush their teeth, they get in bed and all of a sudden they're like, so about that monster we just watched, how do I know it's not in my closet? So <laughs> if you try and separate it out a little bit, like and if, I, I've continued using that strategy a bit as my kids get older, my daughter is 12 and a half and really wanted to start watching Stranger Things. And I finally gave in, but told her she was not allowed to watch it before bed. <laughs> I think I, I use that, that strategy for myself still. No horror after 9 yes. p.m. Yes. Right? Exactly. Betsy, some of the things you said, uh, I think, underscore the importance of parents watching the movies with younger kids. It's These are probably not the kinds of movies you just want to turn on the TV and plunk them down and go do something else. Um, I think, I guess I agree. I mean, with the exception of titles like Curious George's Halloween Boo Fest, which I think once your son, your kid is three or four, no problem. That's fine. Go take a break, <laughs> you know, catch up on your emails. But um, yes, I think watching together, we, we're really big fans of, of co-viewing at Common Sense Media. I think both because it's a great family experience to have a family movie night and because then you're really there in the moment and you can gauge how your kids are doing with something. And if you need to do to pull back or to stop or take a break, you're, you're there and it's, you, you don't miss that opportunity. And it's just, it's fun. And yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a great way to make a memory. I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit. And, and uh, when I was a kid, you know, the wizard of Oz came on once a year. So it was an event, you know, it wasn't on demand. And when the scary scene with the flying monkeys came on, my sisters and I, all three of us, would scramble to sit on my father's lap. And that was just what we did year after year for many years. And it's kind of crazy. Aww. But later when we were grown and I was in college, when Wizard of Oz was airing again, I'd come home. I didn't sit in my father's lap. <laughs> but <it> was, <laughs> trust me. But I mean, it was just a really wonderful, it became a wonderful family memory and kind of a family tradition. I think yeah. there are some um, things kids learn from watching scary movies. Do you agree? Uh, what are some of the silver linings? I do. Like I said, I think for me, the biggest one is that ability to stretch your your comfort zone a bit in a safe environment. Like if you are able to sit down and watch something, whether it's a ghost or a Jurassic Park dinosaur or, I mean, as kids get older, like true, you know, gory stuff. If you are in your house with your stuff near your people, ideally, there will be much less possibility for trauma if you have that safe zone around you. Is there a particular platform that tends to be more 
frightening than others. I mean, could you talk maybe for a few minutes about movies versus podcasts? I don't have any research directly in front of me, but it is generally known that, you know, reading something is going to be less, usually less scary than seeing it. That's true for me. I've had that experience. I can read things that are a lot worse than most of the time. I had a terrible time reading um, a Twin Peaks book when I was in high school. It scared the pants off of me. But um, in general, reading something on the page is going to be less scary than seeing it. And so I think podcasts are another obvi- a great screen-free alternative for things. And there are tons of scary and um, spooky and true crime type podcasts out there that really let you get those those eerie moments in without being in front of a screen. Um, and usually they're shorter too. So you have a, a shorter, um, a smaller window and that can be great for filling in time or doing little bits and pieces. We actually just posted this week a scary podcast for kids list on Common Sense Media. Ah, yeah. Kind of like uh, telling ghost stories around the campfire, maybe a little bit like that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and they could do, you know, we have good sound design. You can be spooky and you can use your imagination to fill in the things, but hopefully your imagination isn't maybe going to be quite as uh, terrifying as perhaps some slasher movies. (laughs) What are some good non-creepy Halloween picks for kids? I mean, you mentioned the podcast list and so certainly our listeners will check that out, but uh, can you, can you name some? Well, we have a whole, uh, speaking of, I'm going to just keep plugging our lists on Common Sense Media. We have a scary, but not too scary Halloween movies list and also a full on scary movie and a horror movie list. So you can kind of pick your, your level of scare, but the not too scary ones, I've mentioned a couple of them. There's, you know, the Curious George movie for little kids, and there's also a, a Winnie the Pooh Halloween movie. And there's a brand new one, actually, Ivy and Bean, which is a very popular book series. They have a new ghost story movie out, and that's for around like age six and up. That's a, That would be a fun new pick for this year. Of course, the one for like tweens that everybody's talking about this Halloween is Hocus Pocus 2, which just came out last week after like 30 years since the first one. And we actually, our reviewer really liked it. She said it was better than the original. So there's that. Um, so that I think is going to be a big pick this Halloween. Um, of, you know, you've got your stand, your classics like Charlie Brown. Um, I think the Hotel Transylvania series is a great pick for that sort of elementary school, young tween set. There's four of those now, I think. And they're, they're lots of fun. And, you know, silly voices, silly experiences, very, they feel very Halloween-y because of all the monsters. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is great for both Halloween and Christmas. <laughs> and I thought my kids were going to be really freaked out by that one, but they loved it. So that was a, an, a fun pick. Um, let me see. What else can I think of? Um, I think there's some other specials out there. There's like a Shrek Halloween specialist, lots of Scooby-Doo Halloween things. Toy Story did a Halloween special. Um, and then you start getting into a little bit of an older age and let's see. Oh, there's a, oh, I love the Wallace and Gromit, the curse of the were-rabbit. That's a really fun one. Um, there, anything they do is going to be a winner in my book. Uh, oh, Disney has a nice uh, franchise, the Zombies franchise. Uh, they're teen musicals, kind of like High School Musical, but about zombies. So there's a couple of those now. I think three, actually. Um, what else do I like? Um, the Witches that came out a year or two ago now, that one was really well made, but also very, very scary. So that would be one where I'd say proceed with caution. Uh, that one in Coraline is another that's right on that edge of tweens who really like creepy stuff will probably dig it. But those who are still pretty, pretty 
uh, need to keep it pretty mild, will not. My daughter was going to watch The Witches with me and had to take herself out of the room within 20 minutes. So that's a, that was a, <laughs> was a good learning experience for us. Yeah, they did a great job with the makeup in that movie, but it was pretty creepy. It was it was when the 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 mouth opened up to her ears and there were all those teeth and my daughter said, "No, I'm done." I'm yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not for everyone. I really enjoyed Hocus Pocus too and we employed a strategy in our house we do in case things are scary, which is baking a themed cake. Oh, that's, that's what fun. I have to recommend to everyone is cake makes things less scary. Yes. And humor also makes things less scary. So once you have like teens um, getting into things like maybe even Shaun of the Dead, things like that, that are, they call a Zom rom-com, right? There was like a whole trend of those a few years ago where you get a lot of humor with your, with your gore and that does help make it less terrifying. So, and usually the the budget's lower too. So usually it's not quite as uh, convincingly gross. Well, these are great tips. Uh, Thank you for sharing them with us. And thank you for helping our listeners have a happy, uh, appropriately frightening Halloween with their children. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun to talk about kids and movies and watching together. You can learn more about kids' hopes and dreams and their worries and fears from the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available on highlights.com or wherever you buy your books. If you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe and share the link with your friends. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.